Welcome to the Geek Teak Podcast, where we are chronicling crystals this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. Scribble, 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 chronicles. It was, it was bad. I don't. I got nothing. Oh, you almost nailed it. Uh, today, no. we're talking about Crystal Chronicles, Final Fantasy, the remaster. That's not actually what it's called. It's called Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remaster. and Remastered edition. Like, it's super long. Oh, like, wow. I went and actually looked at the logo today, and it is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition. Like, it is absurd. And... This it might not be a super long main topic because we both kind of ran into things with this game where we didn't end up liking it, but we didn't normally if we just don't like something, we just don't talk about it. But this one's interesting because there's potential here and there's some things to talk about that are kind of fascinating. So we're going to dig into it a little bit Um, before we get too deep. How much did you end up playing? So I didn't beat it. Well, well, let me put it this way. I stopped and didn't buy the full game like I had planned on for a long time after seeing some of the stuff that they were doing with uh, the online play. So I only downloaded the demo of it, which gives you the first three dungeons and a pretty good portion of the, the beginning of the game that lets you also play with people who have the full version. I didn't get through all of it because of some of the issues with multiplayer but I did get to see all three of the dungeons and play multiplayer a couple of times. So I saw everything it had. I was just frustrated enough with the systems and the problems that I didn't bother actually getting the credit to complete them. Okay, interesting. So I think I was kind of similar. Not exactly, though, because I actually like finished everything that you can do in the light version to earn the it's called myrrh in the game but it's basically your main like progression mechanic um so it only let you get a couple of them and then it's like hey if you want more you have to upgrade to the full version so i also saw like the three dungeons that are built in i saw the two towns or whatever they were um and i got to kind of the end of where you can get unless you have somebody else who owns the game that's pulling you into their game or if you buy the full version. So I kind of, I did everything that I could in the light version, essentially. This is one of those where the demo actually doesn't sell more games. I've heard that it's back and forth on uh, whether or not a demo is a good thing, where uh, like stuff like Dragon Quest Builders 2, I never would have bought had it not been for the for the demo. But this one, I would have bought on day one and just been out the 30 bucks and disappointed where I know other people are in that boat too, where I don't know if putting out the light version was actually the smartest thing they could have done. If they're looking to actually make back their investment on this one. I'm not sure either. I mean, we should get into some of the things that kind of hung us up about it. And I think a good intro to that is this is one of those situations where you and I were texting back and forth as we were playing. You, you sent this to me and I will let you read it since it's actually your quote. (laughs) So I texted you, I went, I think there are good things, and I knew it was going to be dated since it's a GameCube game, but they botched the online something terrible. And that's pretty much where I ended up. Like, that was kind of an initial impression, and it still kind of holds up. Yeah, I mean, I, I went in and, like, I tried a couple quick things to connect to multiplayer. I couldn't do it. Like, it wasn't working right. So I started trying it single player, and I just was having no fun at all. Like, the game was just lame. It was not good. Um, And then you and I started talking, and, like, we realized that the matchmaking and the multiplayer, it just needs help, right? Like, there's no local multiplayer, which seems like a gigantic oversight, since that was 
the core premise of the first time this game came out on GameCube. And like yep. the quick matchmaking, it seems that it might be the right way to play the game, but it never actually works. Like you and I never got it to work, right? I got quick matching to work. I never got any of the actual matchmaking where I was hosting or joining a game to work. Uh, not one single time throughout uh, like the three, four days I was, maybe three days I was trying to get this to work. Never got a like specific lobby to work, but I could join in on other people's games in progress with the quick match. Interesting. So I was the opposite. I could never get quick matchmaking to work, but I could get hosting to work. Huh. So like it's that's so weird. It's just weird. And I feel like every person I talk to has some kind of issue with the multiplayer, but it's all of these different issues which make me think that there's something like core that's just wrong with it. Um, and some of it is in the design decisions, too, around the multiplayer. Yeah, and just so much about the multiplayer is just wrong. Like you said, they didn't have the couch co-op, which seems like a really weird thing to drop from a game that was based around couch co-op to begin with. Um, ben from Switch RPG, who writes for us uh, at geek2geekmedia.com, he did an overview of the game, and he got a pre-release version, and... All pre-released versions from everyone that he talked to who got a review code, they could not connect to multiplayer at all. Like, after launch, none of them could. They had to either delete their save so that they could start connecting online or continue to play locked out of matchmaking completely until uh, they beat the game and play it all solo. It's like, I don't know what they did to make this game on like make the online stuff so bad but they completely dropped the ball like whoever was was working on this just like they need to to never be given a an online feature ever again yeah it's not good and like that one of the core design things in here which is just it's not well designed they should fix it is the way that progression works in the game um, you essentially like at the end of a dungeon or the end of a level, there are these trees or there's a tree and the tree gives you a drop of myrrh. And that's like your primary way to advance through the story of the game and to advance into like the next areas of the game are to get these drops of myrrh. And it's kind of the core premise of the whole game. And what they don't explain is that you have to be the host to get credit for that drop of myrrh. And so I took the first it took me three hours to get past the first level of this game which should have probably taken 15 minutes just because mm -hmm. i tried the quick multiplayer it didn't work i tried single player and then i was confused about like how it was working and the core premise of the game yep. i had to go out i had to take do the tutorial then i kind of understood it then i tried to kind do a single of, yes kind of that's the thing kind of the tutorial i was so confused about certain things through the tutorial too i'm like nothing it says is making sense like yeah. the messaging in this game is terrible i'm glad i'm i'm glad i'm the only one who did not understand why the tutorial was doing things the way it was yeah and that, so that, thank then you then i i went back in i tried to do it single player didn't quite get single player um i could i like couldn't get past the boss because i had no context for the game yet went back managed to connect to some kind of multiplayer i don't think it was the quick match i think it was something else um but then we beat the level and then i couldn't go forward and i hadn't gotten credit and then i realized that well maybe i should try hosting and then i hosted and then i got credit so all of that to say that it took me three hours to get past the first level which probably should have taken 15 minutes and there 
you know, from a programming standpoint, I don't understand why everyone doesn't get credit at once. Like, I know from the story that there's only a limited amount of this stuff. I know that you're you're only getting one drop of myrrh per tree. But from a gameplay standpoint, it's terrible. And from like a, a development standpoint, it can't be that difficult to flag a person having the myrrh from that dungeon because they let you carry items back. You still get things put into your game, even if you're in somebody else's. So it's not as though it's uh, it's a problem with, with the way that information is uh, traveling back and forth. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, there's no no excuse for this one. This was a design decision, not like a programming limitation, just because there's no way it could be like that's that's ridiculous yeah i can't see at all how it is like i've been trying like well maybe it was because of the way it hosts i'm like no you get to carry items back you can no like this is just bad like this part of it is bad yeah and so getting away from the multiplayer which again that's kind of the bad part of the game um it's interesting because this game has a lot of like gamecube era energy you know yeah the the menus are all kind of horrible like as of that era the load times are bad which is weird because it's been remastered and like i was i know you were playing on switch i was playing on ps4 you shouldn't have load times for a 17 year old game on a ps4 like you just shouldn't um so but it again it felt like back in the gamecube era when you could hear your system spin up the disc and then take a while to think about it and just (laughs) some of the design decisions like it feels like a lot of the abilities in the game should be on a bunch of the face buttons, but it actually takes multiple button presses to like navigate to a sub menu or like a quick menu. And then all of it is trying to be on one button instead. It's really weird and clunky. And you can just tell like it's from a different era. And the menu system, I felt like an idiot for a while because I could not figure out how to get to the other sub menus that I had it where I could change out the magic and items and stuff that I could actually use, but I could not figure out how to move left and right, even with the triggers. Like I found it by accident on how to like back out of the active menu. Like you're right. It's just a little bit unfriendly and that just kind of goes back into it being a dated game. Like I didn't get frustrated with it. I wasn't like upset about it. I'm just like, man, y'all could have fixed this easy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and there's other stuff too like the overworld music is the same the entire time and it always starts <laughs> at the exact same point in the exact same music loop it started driving me insane it is so catchy though like i know exactly what you're talking about that flute music is fairly annoying and it's only annoying because of how it starts and how it continues on the loop and for some reason i don't even remember what i had done but i just sat the switch down i didn't hit the home button i didn't hit the power button i just left it there and the music kept playing and so that night that was the first night that it was released I went to bed long after I was playing it with it just echoing in my mind. Like I remember lying in bed with that sound and kind of like humming along to it and being like, what is that? Oh, it's Final Fantasy. Like, yep, that's exactly what that is. Like that overworld music is something else. It's beautiful. Like the music in the game overall is really, really good. That, That from the opening cinematic, I was impressed by the music. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it beautiful, but it was it was okay. I mean, I think it wore out its welcome, so now I'm feeling negative about it. But the first uh, time I heard each piece of music, I it I'm trying to think back. It might have been okay. 
<laughs> where I understand after having it so much and getting so frustrated with it and having that loop, it really could get, you know, it, it, it could get really annoying, but I did like the soundtrack and I liked the graphics. They did a really good job on updating them and making it not look like it was an updated GameCube game. I mean, it obviously is, but there's a lot of times that when you see a remaster that it just takes those models, puts HD textures on them, and it looks bad that where they're still clunky, they still have those weird angles on them. And I didn't really see any of that. Like the remaster on this one, they really did a great job on the graphics and how everything was put together. It's just the gameplay that was that was kind of lacking. Yeah. And I mean, all of it combines to make a game that like I'm not going to grab the full game, but it's interesting that we have this and it, it was a really fascinating like look back at the past of multiplayer gaming and just an interesting like historic artifact you know it's really i think like fascinating is the right word it's just really fascinating how how far we've come with multiplayer games in the amount of time between when this came out and now because our modern sensibilities and standards are so much farther along and this game is like 17 years old which it kind of blew my mind that okay gamecube was that long ago but i guess it makes sense um We've just we've come so far. Yeah, and it's I didn't actually remember it being that old, but you're absolutely right. I remember when it was new and it was 17 years ago. That was when I was in college. Also, saying that sentence makes me really sad. Um, but it you're you're absolutely right. It's interesting to look back on and it's it's I'm wondering also if some of these design choices were because there's also a a mobile version that it's on iOS and Android as well for crossplay. And I don't know a single person who has downloaded it to try on mobile. And I'm curious if some of these issues like the, the frustrating menus and things like that are in order to make it more palatable for a touchscreen. Maybe, or it's worse there. I wouldn't be surprised if it was worse on mobile. I'm kind of tempted to try it now. Like, I may do that after we finish recording just to see. Like, I won't even, I obviously will not get very far into it at all, but downloading the light version just to see on mobile what they've done because it's, uh, it, it does not work like it should on on console and that's the part that makes me sad is because I'm I'm glad we talked about it because I I don't want to be negative about this it's like I want to like this game you know yeah I wanted to like it too which is why it was disappointing and again that's why we didn't want to linger on this subject too much um in more of a positive spin here I do think that this as a series could work like if they took the core premise of Crystal Chronicles and made a completely new game with that, like if your core premise being you have to work together, you're trying to go out into the world to collect some kind of essence that you can bring back to your town, right? So there's some town building and some relationship building there. Um, you know, traveling caravans, I think that works. All the stuff around crystals and myrrh and myrrh trees. And then even the part about like having a, a certain area that you need to stay within because you have like the protection of an item. All of those are really cool concepts. I would love to see just that, right? Just the premise and those concepts of the world taken and be rebuilt into a completely different game that's been brought up to modern standards. I want to know what that looks like because I'd be interested in playing that game. 
And I never played any of the other Crystal Chronicles games. Like, there were multiple games in the series that were released, and so I don't know if any of them fixed anything, you know, over the years. I wouldn't assume they would. And I never played any of the Final Fantasy Explorers games either, which feel, uh, that look at least to me, like they would feel very similar. But like you said, if they did a complete overhaul and made a new Crystal Chronicles game, the the concepts are all there. Like every bit of it could be there, like you said. And even this one, I think if they didn't make you do Dungeon Solo, if they patched like in NPC party members where you could take other uh, NPCs into dungeons with you, it wouldn't be monotonous and boring. And the bosses take half an hour to beat alone. Um, if everybody got myrrh when they beat the friggin' dungeons and their matchmaking servers actually worked, it would be a totally different game that I think that you and I would maybe not have bought the full version of it but i think that we might have uh recommended it to certain people who would have liked it yes i agree with that i think you're totally right it wouldn't have been a hundred percent everyone play this but it would have been hey if you like xyz go check out this game whereas right now we're kind of saying uh most people should just stay away from it yeah and the demo is free y'all can make your own decisions and i want to before we end this i want to point out i do know a lot of people who are having fun with their friends with this that like most other i think this is the way that steve puts it mr alarm on twitter anytime that you play uh, a game that has janky multiplayer it's fun when you're playing janky multiplayer with friends and Playing janky multiplayer alone with some randos is not fun. So if you've got a group, this game will probably be fun for you if you can connect with them. Yeah, totally. I I think that's a good note to end that on. Um, So before we jump into Weekly Geekery, don't forget, we are part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com, where you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you what's new with the patreon and the digital magazine and all of that kind of stuff okay so we launched the magazine last week uh it is live so anyone who wants it can go to patreon.com slash geek to geek cast and we have put out the very first issue of press start the digital magazine the network is doing it is fantastic we are really really proud of this we have writing from the crafting rogue from uh, mr alarm from troidal power uh me and oh my goodness who else and and data air who they are all fantastic artists articles we're working on it again this month we're recording this on the 1st of september and so i sent out an our uh, message this morning to patreon that our theme this month is mario's birthday so we know that that's going to be going around a lot that a lot of people are doing it for mario's 35th anniversary here but uh, we have some really really cool articles planned for you we're really going to be telling some neat stories and uh so we really would appreciate y'all checking that out at patreon.com slash geek to geek with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What have you been up to? So I mainly watched Lovecraft Country this weekend. Like, I caught up. It's like three episodes right now, but uh, you will hate it. Like, I'm assuming you haven't seen this. Uh, no, but what I have seen makes me think I wouldn't like it. I'm pretty sure you would hate everything about it. It is absolutely horror. Like it's, it's a weird structure. And I thought about you, like as soon as I got into it, because I went all in on it, like almost immediately I went all in and 
I knew immediately that you would hate it because it takes a lot of different horror aspects and kind or conventions and draws them into a TV series. And it feels like every episode is a different kind of horror where you have the, um, like the third episode is a haunted house episode. The second one is uh, being uh, trapped in a uh, one of the kind of house on haunted hill kind of things where you're inside, not a haunted house, but a uh, I can't think of the name of it. Where it's just uh, trying to get out of this this place. The first episode is I don't even know. It is. Uh, it's a cabin in the woods horror story uh, more than anything. And it's like they, they're doing some really cool things without it being an anthology series, which I think is really cool. Um, it is truly scary. My wife and I both jumped multiple times in it, especially in the first and third episodes. Uh, they are. I love it when something can actually get me. And I, I, uh, I love that this show is actually trying to say something. Uh, it takes a, the same tone as Watchmen did. It deals with race a very, very similarly to uh, Watchmen. And I am a big HP Lovecraft fan. Like I've taught him in class when I taught my horror class, uh, I was I actually went back and and dug in on HP Lovecraft a lot because his horror and his mythology and his fiction, the nonfiction like supernatural horror and literature is great. Um I do suggest anyone read that. Like if you're interested in horror, read supernatural horror and literature. There's an annotated version you can get cheap that was uh, annotated and edited by ST Joshi. It's a great book. HP Lovecraft though was a heinous racist. Just horrible. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause it, when, when I first learned that, like doing the research for all this, I was like, how did I avoid this all these years? But it's like, he's one of the most hardcore, terrible human being racist, like I've ever heard of. And so the, all of the stuff that he does is excellent, but it's marred by just how awesome, but marred by just how often his racism creeps in. So like this this show is an entirely or mostly black cast who are taking on who who this where the show handles race like Watchmen did and honestly it's set in like 1954 55 56 like mid 50s and it makes me so incredibly uncomfortable to watch this show as a white dude like i'm sitting here and like i have a knot in my stomach and that's part of the point. It's like I, on top of the the actual horror aspects of this, you get to see how horrific uh, people were treated in 1955 and so it's they just do fantastic things with race and horror and just merging it all together and it made me pick up the book too so i picked it up on kindle and i found out that it's written by a white guy like that surprised me because like the the all-black cast the the uh production everything about it, it i mean it is being produced by jordan peele who did twilight zone and get out and us like just really fantastic uh like cast and people who work for the the improvement and um work for the the empowerment of black voices and it's based on a book 
written by a white guy. So I'm really curious on how that and the show are going to play out. The book is similar but different. Uh, like it'll use some of the same words, even like there are quotes and things that play out entirely sim like entirely exactly like they do in the show, word for word. But they're spoken by different characters in completely different contexts, and so it's neat adaptation. But I've got to finish all of this when the show is done and I finished the book to go read a ton of behind the scenes stuff to see how this came about because I did not expect after reading after watching the first three episodes of this that it was written by a white guy and it is fascinating that I don't think you'll like it it's way too horror for you but anybody who likes horror should watch this show like it is it is magnificent. Like Fair I, enough. It, and my wife doesn't like horror generally. Like she doesn't like watching horror movies. And when we finished the first one, like she was sitting there like, she was like, this is scary. I'm like, yeah, it is. And she was like, you want to watch the next one? I'm like, yeah, I do. So for her to say that immediately means that there was something there to really latch onto because it's not her genre to watch and binge or anything. So I'm, I don't think you'll like it just because of the way that you don't like horror, but, um, it's, I, I guess the, I, the best way to put it, it's fascinating. Like it's well-written, it's well-acted and just the way that it handles things. It's, it's great. Cool. So yeah, that, that was a big part of what I did was reading that and watching the show. We also, tonight we're watching the new Bill and Ted movie, uh, Bill and Ted face the music. Yeah. And so uh, that that's our plan for tonight. And the last two nights have been spent watching the first two Bill and Ted movies, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Have you seen these in years or did you like them when you were a kid? I've never seen these ever. Okay, so I barely remembered them. Like I knew I'd seen them like on TV when I was a kid and I did not remember anything more than just the the cursory George Carlin is in this and they travel through time in they travel through time in a, a phone booth and the Grim Reaper is in one of them. Like that's basically all I could remember. The first movie is most excellent. Like, it is great. I completely am 100% understand why Bill and Ted became a kind of a cultural thing. Uh, because the first movie knew exactly what it was doing. It is a, a bro movie about treating people well and loving your best friend. Like, the premise of the show is they have to do this so they don't get split up and they're they they still get to be around their best friend. Uh the second one it lost the thread. The second one is not good. It is as they put it most heinous. <laughs> okay. It, uh, it is it makes no sense. They they go they get killed and they go through heaven and hell and uh, come back. They make friends with the Grim Reaper. Uh, it, it is just a an off the rails wacky. They they meet aliens. Really strange stuff. The it is worth seeing for the Grim Reaper. He is great. The actor they have playing him, the part is, is hilarious. Um, but the second movie is tears below the first one the first one doesn't even feel i mean it's obviously a a an artifact from 1988 89 i mean it is absolutely a late 80s movie but 
it still holds up as funny under any circumstances. Like I would not even think about it being a quote unquote, uh, old movie, older movie or anything at all from when I was a kid. Wouldn't even consider that if I didn't know it. The second one, absolutely, it's horrible. Like, and I'm sorry for anyone who likes Bogus Journey, but it was so bogus. Like, we were just so disappointed after the high of the first one. So I'm really looking forward to the third one tonight because I've heard that it uh, is a step back up from the second one, um, which is not that hard to uh, to do, I don't think, because it, it the first one was great. Second one, not so much. But uh, I think I think you should watch at least the first one. Like, I don't know how much you uh, like Keanu Reeves, but if you do, that'll carry it even more. But just the chemistry between these two, like, I love the fact that they are two dudes who love each other and just they want to be there for each other. And so it's awesome. Cool. Like, there are some, a couple of moments where they drop some uh, slurs that make it, make you see that it would casually drop a uh, slur, uh, they casually drop gay slurs, which and just just feels out of place. Uh, but it lets you look and be like, oh yeah, this is a movie from 1988 when people didn't think nearly as much about that. Uh, but it's uh, other than that, most excellent. Cannot wait for tonight to see the others. Nice. Uh, for me this week, I I tried out Soda Dungeon two, and I've kind of been okay. picking away at it every day it's just a clicker game i mean i played soda dungeon one for a week or two at one point um and this is more of that but better so i'm, <laughs> I'm doing that i yeah, every time i get into a clicker game i know it's gonna last for probably about two weeks because that's about how long i stick with one and i'm about one week in right now so by the time we talk again i'll be done with this but if you're looking for a good clicker that's new soda dungeon 2 is it it's on ios um outside of that i know we talked about spirit fairer the other week and yeah how it's like a beautiful game but i wasn't sure if it was going to come together and really gel and it kind of did but at the same time when i went back and played more of it i think that you're really supposed to like take your time and take it slow in this game and i'm just not in the right mood for the game i don't think there's anything Um. wrong with the game itself but i'm looking for something at the moment with more progression more story and something about the fact that it's like kind of an open ocean game but it's 2d because i love like a big open exploration thing if i'm in the right mood for it like you know if i'm thinking like wind waker right there's an ocean you can explore it you can go from point to point and this game is similar in a lot of ways except the actual moment to moment is you on this boat doing a lot of like management sim stuff and that is slow and i don't want to say tedious but it's just not what i'm in the mood for at the moment um so I kind of decided like the game does a really good job of setting the mood that it wants you to have and like kind of letting you bask in it, you know? So I think it's succeeding at what it's trying to do. I'm just not in the mood for it. So it's a game that I'm going to put down and possibly come back to later. If you are in the mood for a slower game, that's like kind of, you know, meditative almost in parts. Um, it, it's a good hmm. game for that. And like I said, it's it's beautiful. It's doing some interesting things with interesting concepts. It's just not a game that I'm in the mood for at the moment. That that sounds about right. Like it sounds like that's pretty much where I landed on it when just looking at it. It's like, I know I'm not in the mood for this, but it, I'm glad that it actually is. Did you when did you get a ship or get a spirit off? Did you see anyone off to the afterlife? No, I didn't get that far because it was okay. slow. Like, it's supposed to be a slow burn, I think is where I landed. And I just don't, I'm not in the mood for that. 
Okay, I understand. Yeah, I would love to see more progression, more story, and, like, what happens next, but there's no way to really critical path it. You just have to take your, like, slow time, and yeah, yeah, it, it's doing what it's trying to do. It's succeeding at what it's setting out with, I think. Right, and you're just not in the mood for playing that game. Yeah, exactly, and that's fine. That's fine for the game and fine for me. Um, The thing that I got into, which was super surprising to me, was Fortnite. Like, I've, I know I've played it before. I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, and I kind of have drifted in and out um but fortnite started a new season or chapter no i don't i don't even know see this is how disconnected from fortnite i am um i think it's a new season and the seasons are all within chapters or something I like that i think so i think they're on chapter two but season like a million i don't know yeah like, it's like I, think, I think it's a season i think it's season four or five of chapter two and okay. the thing is they kicked off a marvel crossover event and they've done little things before like they had where you could get the infinity gauntlet and you could be thanos you know and like destroy mm-hmm. people um so it's not the first time they've done a marvel thing like i think deadpool is in it for a little while but this is the first time where a whole season was dedicated to marvel and the more i was reading about it the more i was like i want to experience this for myself so i went in and it's really interesting how they did this because it's actually canon to the Marvel universe. Like they included this in one of the Thor series that's running right now where Thor ends up on the Fortnite world and the Fortnite characters and the world are now canon in Marvel. And the things that are happening right now during this season of Fortnite are actually Marvel canon to the universe. And so that lends it this like weight that i wasn't expecting in a really good way right um it makes it so you can get invested and be like oh anything i do during the season is actually canon in marvel and that's super cool and it's this story about the core premise for the season is that um there's something going on and again this is where i'm not even reading the comics right now but like thor and galactus are going around and galactus is like consuming worlds with some kind of objective at the end they're working together vaguely and not against each other like they normally are um But what it means is Thor shows up on the Fortnite world, kind of loses his memory, but then as he starts to get his memory back, he summons a bunch of Marvel heroes, and also Galactus is coming, and he's going to eat the Fortnite world, and, (laughs) like, Doctor Doom is there, and if you go and you can, like, encounter Doctor Doom with other players, and if you go into his lair, you can get superpowers, and you can actually, like, have superpowers for the rest of your round in Fortnite, there are areas of the map that are just like dedicated to marvel things like there's this whole section that's just a bunch of sentinels from x-men that are just like crashed and mostly disabled except they're like hand cannons are still working so if you go jump on one it'll send you flying really far um it's just Mm. all these fun little touches right i'm i'm curious about this so i actually downloaded it once you told me this and i know i'm gonna skip a little bit ahead but uh you said you've had more when you texted me and you said that you have more fun with this than you have with the avengers game i went and i downloaded fortnite Uh, i actually patched it up today i was gonna play it today on my lunch break but uh, it had to patch and so i didn't uh, bother with that so I still need to get in and do it, but with it having all of this stuff, like, do you get skins for the Marvel characters? Like, how does it impact the the minute-to-minute gameplay? Like, outside of being able to go and get superpowers from this one area on the island, how does it make it so that, like, if I were to play it right now, how would I, like, interact with the Marvel heroes or put on a Wolverine skin or something like that? Yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff. There's, like... um 
most of it is in the battle pass so it's one of those seasons where it's very worth picking up the battle pass so that you can like start doing some of the things um the battle pass gives you a lot of the skins for the marvel characters and then as you unlock the skins you also unlock like challenges that are character by character skin and it's like um once you unlock the thor skin you get this challenge where you have to complete multiple stages and i think most of them are the same way you have to complete multiple stages of thor challenges and you unlock more of his like looks and more of his emotes and you know things like you unlock his hammer as your pickaxe tool you can use his hammer instead and so okay um i i did these with thor i did the ones with i'm gonna forget her name she hulk i always forget what her actual human name is jennifer yes something jennifer something that's correct um and so you you do a series of challenges so like for thor for example first you have to have the thor skin on and then you have to go and find his hammer on the map and if you find Mm. his hammer you can pick it up and then you get the hammer forever in Fortnite. like it's a it's an ability or it's a pickaxe that you can equip right but it looks like thor's hammer and then after you have the hammer you have to go and you can find the Bifrost marks on the map for where Thor got teleported in. And Hmm. that's his next step up. And then after you do that, you can go find these runes on a mountaintop. And if you go to hit the emote button when you're on those runes, there's a custom emote for Thor where he raises his uh, hammer up to the sky and you get a giant bolt of lightning and it like supercharges him and you look different from that point forward. Hmm. It's stuff like that, right? Um, Wolverine it's slowly rolling out week by week new challenges so week one was like go to a certain area and find a bunch of wolverine's claw marks and if you find like a handful of his claw marks you unlock a spray that's a wolverine spray and so if you work your way through those you'll unlock the wolverine skin basically Uh, okay all of it is just the the reason i said i was having more fun with this than i was with the actual avengers game that's about to come out later this week is because that game feels so the avengers game it feels so like gray and like murky and you know quote unquote like realistic and like it's trying to be serious and it's just not fun like it's do you know what i mean like that kind of real worldly it's trying to be grim dark in a way it feels like years of war like the palette they're painting with is grays and everything is through that lens of like oh heroes in the real world and it can go bad and all these heroes have like gone off because they had a bad day one time that's basically (laughs) i mean honestly that's the premise of that game and in this because it's Fortnite, because it's so lighthearted, it feels fun and comic booky and it's bright and colorful and it's lighthearted and it's just these these marvel characters that are just having fun with each other and it doesn't have to make sense and it can be goofy and it can be bright and it can be fun and it's like that's why i'm enjoying it right uh, it's still I totally Fortnite, get that but it's it's Fortnite with a little bit of Marvel here and there, and it's the kind of Marvel that's just not taking itself too seriously, and I really appreciate that at the moment. And I'm really interested in this one. Like, you know that every, anybody who's listened for a long time knows that I don't particularly care for Fortnite. That uh, it's like I was telling my wife earlier this week about this when you were talking to me about it, was that Fortnite is not a bad game, but it's a game that's fun for about two hours, and then I get bored of it. And that's 
been my consistent problem with Battle Royale games. And so I think this one is a good time to go back to it because it actually has something that I care about, as well as my nephew, my 10-year-old nephew. He downloaded it for the first time and has been playing it with his friends on the Switch. And so this is a good chance to be able to play a game like that with him. Um, so we may you know, download it on the PS4 or PC and the Switch. That way Jennifer, me, and him can all play together because it's cross-platform so that we can uh, do stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of a uh, kind of a, a lightning strike moment to uh, that we can play together and, and this Marvel thing is all at the same time where otherwise, like with the Star Wars stuff, I never cared enough to even log in on it. But this one seems more in-depth than the other crossovers have been. Yeah, and that's one of the things here is like most of the other crossovers have really been here's a skin or here's a couple looks or here's like a custom pickaxe, right? Right. Um, or harvesting tool. I think it's what it's called in the game, but you know what I mean. Um, right. Yeah. This is an entire season devoted to Marvel and all of the, not every single one of the challenges, but most of the challenges in the game, in the battle pass, are hooked into these core concepts of the Marvel characters and like what's going on with them. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see like the map evolve a little bit and include more Marvel stuff as time goes on. Uh, I just I want to see how this season plays out. And the thing is, like, I know that I'm not a long term Fortnite player. I know that at most I will see this through to the end of the season. But more realistically, I'll play probably play this for like two, three weeks, maybe a month on the outside and then kind of peter off and then go do something else. And that's OK. But for the moment, it was completely worth it for me to grab the battle pass. And for the last week, I've been having fun messing around with Marvel stuff in Fortnite. And it's been fun. And like that's the that's the key important thing. So I'd, I have one more question for you on this one. Um, since you do have to pay for it, well, two questions, let me put it that way. You do have to pay for it to get access to this stuff. So how much is the season pass, like to get the battle pass for the season? And do you get any of this for free? Can you do any of the challenges and stuff as a free player? Yeah, some of the stuff is free. They always make some of it free. Um, I don't actually know how much a battle pass is because it's all in their own currency in the game. So. Right. I forget. I want to say it's usually somewhere in like the 10 to $15 range, something like that. Okay. So nothing absurd. You're not paying 20, $25. Like for some reason you say 15, I'm like, okay, 20. Nah, mm -mm, absurd. Yeah. So I, that I $5 is absurd. No, I, I want to say it's around 10, but yeah, we could, you could look it up really quick. It's yeah. not a ton of money, right? It's not lots and lots. Um, Apparently 950 V bucks, whatever that is. All right, I think you can get a thousand V bucks for about eight dollars, so it's probably seven dollars right, yeah. or something so, like that. So not too bad then. Yeah, no, not too bad. Um, so that's what I've been doing a lot of. The other thing I wanted to mention is I went and I'm starting to listen to new podcasts again. I picked up a couple new ones, and I just kind of needed. I mean, I know we talked about reading the other week, and right. um, I just needed a break from Audible because I was doing a lot of. And I still am. I'm like, I'm going through my backlog of all the Audible titles I own. And a lot of them I was just striking out with. So I needed like podcasts to break it up so that I wasn't going to book after book that I would kind of be like, once I got, you know, 10% of the way into and then put away yeah. and try to start another one. And there, I know that there are books coming out in the next month or two that I'm excited about. So I was like, okay, I just need to step away from this and then come back fresh. So I went and um, there's new podcasts I'm listening to. I'm listening to the Triple Click podcast, which is 
essentially to um kotaku split screen which is a podcast that i listened to for years the three hosts of that have all moved on from kotaku and they are now their own podcast completely separate from any actual publication um and they joined like the maximum fun network of podcasts so they completely own it it's their ip they could do whatever they want with it they basically just did kept doing the exact same thing they were doing week to week but they did it on a different network and they own it now and i'm all about that i want more people to be independent creators right Right. And that's something that is weird and off-putting about the current state of podcasts that as I'm watching the industry that I'm seeing less and less of, that there are more corporate podcasts. There are a lot lot fewer independently owned and operated podcasts and that the networks tend to be uh, a lot more corporate branded stuff. So whenever I hear about something like this, that even though Kotaku is absolutely not a like super major branded podcast kind of thing, it's not like ABC or NPR or something like that, or, you know, The Office or or Conan O'Brien, Joe Rogan, all this it's not something like that. It's still like that particular publication. It's a, a known quantity that has like lots of backing there. These three people doing this as part of an independent network, I think stuff like that tends to put out a lot better content and uh, it just feels better. And I don't even listen to that many podcasts, but when I do, it's stuff like that as opposed to. I would rather listen to that than like the Nintendo Power podcast that's put out officially, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. So the Triple Click podcast, highly recommended for me. Again, I've basically been listening to this podcast for years, even though this particular iteration of it has only existed for about two months because Uh, they broke off and did their own thing. Um, I'm starting to listen to What the Force podcast with a question mark at the end. And it's just like (laughs) deep dive into Star Wars in a way that if I ever did a Star Wars podcast, as much as I love Star Wars, I would never get this deep into it. and that makes this podcast good, right? Like they do right. these deep dives on like Joseph Campbell and Alan Watts, and they do deep dives on like the little bits of lore that are hidden within these things that you've forgot even existed because they're on the fringes of canon. And like, what does that mean? What are the bigger impacts on the universe? It's the kind of Star Wars podcast that I wish I could produce, but I don't have the time or the right background to do it. So I'm so glad that this podcast exists. So again, What the Force is a fantastic Star Wars podcast. Cool. That's good to know that that's there. That's the kind of... That's the kind of Star Wars podcast that I would want to listen to as well, where it's not uh, the same kind of Star Wars content that you get everywhere. Yeah, you know, I would talk about how lightsabers are cool, and I'd be like, ooh, right. lightsabers. And they're talking about, like, the inner meaning of all of the—they're, you know, th- it, like, five to ten levels deep on subjects that I would just scratch the surface of. And it makes me realize I'm never going to do a Star Wars podcast, but it also makes me realize that that's okay because I can enjoy ones like this. Because what you want already exists, like what you would want to create, somebody else is doing something that is worth listening to and and putting that out there for you. Exactly. So again, that one is called What the Force, and I highly recommend it. And then the last one here um, before we wrap up for today is Friends at the Table. And this one is interesting because I've tried lots of live play podcasts for tabletop, you know, role playing games. And the Adventure Zone is really the only one that's ever stuck with me. Um, So many of them are just people that are like goofing off or they're not focused or they feel really 
disconnected and they just they it's dms and gms running games in different styles right and i like how Mm -hmm. the adventure zone is really telling a story and like pushing you forward through it and friends at the table is a podcast that i have tried to get into no less than probably five six seven times like a lot of times i've tried and i've bounced off of it and it's on my list here because i finally got hooked and I, I kept going back to this one because one of my favorite people to listen to on podcasts is Austin Walker. And he's on the Waypoint podcast, and he's been on a lot of other podcasts over time. He was on Giant Bomb for a while and other stuff. Um, this is him and his friends independently creating, again, another independent creator, right? Him and his group of friends independently created this like four or five years ago, and they've been building on it ever since then. And... I knew that if I could finally find a way to like latch on and get into this one, I would have this gigantic backlog to listen to and I would enjoy it. And so every time they've started a new season or a new premise or a new something, I always go try it. And the latest season finally hooked me. So the la- hmm. the latest season is called Partisan and it's really, really good. It's just not what I'm used to for live plays. I realized that what they do that's different, and this is why I couldn't get my head around it, is that it's not really a GM-led game so much as all of them are collaborative authors in storytelling and world-building. So Austin is the GM, and he has the whole world and universe in his head. You can tell that he really does the work on the backstory and the world-building. But whenever he gets to something where the characters would know better than him, he kind of hands over the authorship to the players. Okay. They've been podcasting together and streaming together and doing like world building together for so long that they all know how to build a world together that works, right? It's not the players that are trying to be like, oh, I'm going to win. So my character is the best. It's what's the most interesting for the world? What's the most interesting for the story? And once I realized that, I could start listening to it. And it's it's much more about how do we build this world? How do we collaboratively tell a story? And much less about my players are playing in the playground that I set up and it's my job to drive them forward. Um, right. But I like it. It's really, really good. So partisan um, for friends at the table is one that I can highly recommend. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably it for this week. Uh, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek geekcast we also have some great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network, like blogs, video game reviews, and our new digital magazine, Press Start. Awesome. Uh, I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, all. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. 
all dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. 